and we're back we're back baby uh the back judge podcast after a long draft season took june off uh lee is uh he's gonna he's gonna post it Hutton, don't worry the the bjp dynasty league draft review slash the sean daigle post mortem perhaps maybe a little uh producer's edit needs to go in there lee about the state of daigle's draft yeah i don't know I'll when, when exactly the uh you know i don't know something should be uh something should be said for the the loyal dynasty listeners absolutely and we need to open the conversation about how we need to get a physical trophy and it needs to be named the sean daigle memorial trophy um for the champion every year um so that that's a dialogue that needs to be open, but that's you know that's a topic for maybe some day. sort of some sort of horn frog on the on the. That's I mean that's a great yeah. idea. That's the best idea. The frog. I think I got a better idea. I think it should be a replica of Sean Daigle truck sticking in the Palomalu jersey, like <laughs> through a crowd of, of young kids. You know, just uh, like maybe in a few just years, Brandon Jacobs incarnate as Sean Daigle was. Um. Boys, good to be back. 2021 NFL season upon us. This time last year, we weren't even sure if there was going to be a season. Good to be in the uh, in the places we are now, hurtling towards preseason football. Back once again. Baller, faller, holler. We'll be back, everybody. That's Absolutely. exciting. Shout out Always, Matt Days. Yeah. <laughs> we should go back and look through some of those. See who we who we shouted out once upon a time. God, some deep full cuts. stadiums too. Full so. stadiums, uh, beautiful, beautiful stuff happening around the NFL. Boys, uh, want to just just want to open up the this show. Uh, this is, by the way, everyone. This is a, this is musings pre division previews. We're going to start getting into our division previews, of course. Uh, always starting with the AFC West. That's how we've done it for for four years now. And uh, but we're just gonna we're gonna set up this new season of the back judge today. And I want to tie up some loose ends here with Tommy and Lee. Uh, get some get some of their thoughts, clarify some things for me because I feel you know we talk all the time, we know kind of how we feel about some teams, uh, you know high on some, low on others, but just wanted to get some clarifications and I, I'm gonna start off with with Tommy here because, and Tommy I'm not trying to rehash an argument, you know because because we we could go down that wormhole but we're gonna be better men than that. Um, on a previous show, you you talked about Cleveland potentially having one of the the best rosters in the NFL, um, and from an offensive perspective, I can I can go with that, right? Like I'm not I'm not going to push back from from an offensive perspective. The depth at receiver that they have, tight end, offensive line, running back, and and Baker, you know, for whatever you can say about him, uh, he was very efficient last year. Um, and I think, you know, this will be the first time in his career where he's had the same coaching staff two years in a row, same offense two years in a row. So uh, I do think he can improve on what he did last year. Uh, but I just, I kind of want to get my, my issue with that take kind of comes from the defensive side of the ball. And I know they've made a lot of additions, but I feel like there's 10 defenses from last year that I can just kind of rattle off my head that I think were, were better than the Browns. So uh, what about the Cleveland defense just roster wise? makes you think that, you know, they complete that other half of the, the offense where you can say, I think this is, you know, one of, one of the best, if not the best rosters in the league. I mean, I think that's a valid point. I think uh, it, is a, it is a fair bit of projection, but I think, you know, adding a guy like John Johnson, I mean, I, I think, you know, 
getting JOK, adding Greg Newsom, a lot of what they did in the offseason, I mean, I think they're a pretty, I think it's a pretty thorough unit on defense. Um, obviously, they have to live up to a certain amount of hype, but I was big on Grand Delpit coming uh, into the draft last year. He's going to have his first full year paired with uh, John Johnson. I think that could be the best safety tandem in the NFL. I don't think that's that much of a reach. I think just the floor of having a player like John Johnson, um, you know, is he he's arguably one of the best safeties in the NFL. Definitely a top five safety for my money. Uh, and then, you know, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, and Troy Hill as your slot corners. I think that's a pretty darn good um, secondary. Obviously, Greg Newsom is, is a rookie corner, which you can't expect too many things out of. But I thought he was a pretty high floor prospect coming out of Northwestern this year. Um, and then getting a guy like JOK to add to their to their uh, linebacking core, which I think is the the weakest part of their defense. But getting a guy like JOK with his versatility and athleticism to pair with Jacob Phillips, you know, Mac Wilson, Sione Takitaki, not a lot of household names, but I think there's some potential there. And then on the defensive uh, side of the ball, they have an elite edge rusher with Miles Garrett, and then you know having Miles, uh, um, Malik Jackson, and. Jadavian Clowney, Jordan Elliott, who was a nice player from last year, uh, rookie out of Mizzou. Uh, I just think they have the makings of a really darn good defense because I believe that they have impact players at every level. I mean, they have two guaranteed elite players in John Johnson and Miles Garrett. And then you kind of just need the the idea with me with Garrett and Clowney um, and then, you know, just what the, the type of athleticism they have at the second level with JOK and even Jacob Phillips, who... Is a really nice had a really nice rookie year uh, out of LSU and expecting him to take um, a next step. I think really the only I think the Bucks are the is the only argument in my opinion for best roster in the NFL. I I'm not gonna you know if you think the Bucks have a better roster than the Browns, I'm not gonna you know dis you know disagree with you too hard. They obviously won the Super Bowl. They were the best team in football last year. Maybe the Ravens, perhaps. I just like the Browns' offense better than the Ravens' offense. Um, I think I think that's a solid point, though, Lee. But as we can get to later when we talk about one of my two bets, uh, it has to do with that. I think the Browns, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll spoil it. I'm going to be betting the Browns to win the AFC North um, this year. I think they're at about plus 150. Uh, the Ravens are the favorite at, I think, plus 105. Um, I think the Browns are, I think the Browns are the best team in this division. And, you know, that's a bet that I'm comfortable with. Uh, making, but I think this is a top. I think the the lowest I'd put the the Browns, Devils Advocate, is at three. If you want to put the Chiefs above them because of the ceiling of their offense, um, which you know makes them you know the best team in the NFL, arguably, then sure, give put the Chiefs ahead of them. But I think the Browns, you know, head to toe, are Baker Mayfield playing above average away from being the best team in the NFL. I think the only question mark with if you put any elite or kind of if you put Matthew Stafford on the Browns I think we're all you know loving this team so um in the end it kind of comes down to Baker which I mean I, I I'll, I'll I'll say this Tommy I think I think you know I think you could put the Bills up there I think you could put the Rams up there 49ers yeah. if 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 Rodgers is on the Packers you know I mean I like I like your take I think it's a I think it's a strong take I just uh I don't know. I you don't think the Bills? As, I don't see it. As, I mean, as, the Bills' offensive line, I think, is nowhere near. I mean, I think the, the Browns are pretty damn solid, man. I mean, obviously, the teams that you just mentioned have better quarterbacks. Well, so are the Bills. Bills, I mean, yeah. I, so are the Rams. Not on the offensive line. Uh, I think yeah, the yeah. I think the Browns. I, I would I would lean towards 
I just think you may be oversimplifying the firepower of the Browns offense, also considering the fact that there's a ton of turnover on that defense. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I've got to assume at least six or seven of those starters are going to be new starters on the Browns defense. So there's going to be some adjusting that needs to be made. You can say what you want about JOK and Newsom. They're both rookies. They haven't played a game in the NFL. They could be really good players, but that's all projection. Delpit's coming off an Achilles injury. Um, I like John Johnson a lot. I think there's a lot of good pieces on the defense, but I I don't know. I think there's a little bit more concern um, when it comes to stating the fact that the Browns could have the best roster in the NFL. I know I mentioned the Ravens, but I would agree with Klepp where you can make a very solid argument the the Rams have a better roster or a comparable roster, the Bills have a better or comparable roster, um, and and even the Chiefs, like you said, and the 49ers. There's a couple other teams there. So uh, I think you may be oversimplifying the the argument a little yeah. bit. Uh, Lee, let's let, let's talk to you, Lee. I got a question for you here. Um, you know, you 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 and Tommy both are are like this, but you've probably been the bigger biggest Darnold guy. You know, one of the bigger Darnold guys I know uh, in my circle. And I kind of just want you to lay out, I guess, what you envision as a successful year for him in Carolina. Is there a certain stat threshold? Is it making the playoffs? Is it you know no longer seeing ghosts? What what is? What do you hope to see? What do you expect to see from Darnold in Carolina? Um, as much as I like Darnold, I still think that this Panthers team is a year away, even with a good quarterback, from being a playoff contender. So I think the expectations would be a little bit lofty them making the playoffs. Um. I don't know. I think what I want to see out of Darnold is for him to win the Carolina Panthers fan base over for the most part and have the by the by the conclusion of this season they're excited to go into next year with Sam Darnold and building that defense a little bit um, and, and and building that offensive line a little bit because uh, like I said I think they'd be lying to themselves to expect a playoff berth in year 1 of the Darnold era and year 2 of the Rule era just because their roster is not necessarily, you know, it's not where it needs to be if you want to be a playoff team. I think you could make an argument that they're the third best team in the division, but I probably personally, even with how much I like Darnold, would lean Atlanta a little bit right now. Um, I still have a little bit of homework to do on that, but I still think you're dealing with maybe the worst roster in the in the NFC South, and I still think this team can be very competitive. But what I want to see out of Darnold is consistency in, on, from a week-by-week basis and from him to uh, – figure out how to limit his turnovers and interceptions because if he can't do that, uh, he's not going to be the long-term solution in Carolina. So whether it be them going, um, it's hard to decipher the records now with the extra game, seven and 10 or eight and nine, or, you know, I expect them to kind of be in that ballpark, maybe six and uh, 11, I guess it would be six and 11. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. If they're competing on a regular basis, they have some close losses and Darnold's protecting the football. But I really do expect this team to be hovering right around seven or eight wins this year because I do believe Darnold will elevate them. And the second year in the rule era, I like the youth on their defense. But like I said, between the offensive line and just some holes overall on the defense, this looks like a team that's going to have to be carried by the skill positions, which I don't necessarily know if that's going to work this year throughout the season. How would you rank the quarterbacks in the NFC South? And I, I would say maybe assuming Jameis starts in, in New Orleans because Taysom Hill difficult to rank. Um, or maybe geez, he would really find, find well, the gutter. I'd say Brady would go, would go first. Um, 
Man. Yeah, I would say Darnold second, Jameis third, and Matt Ryan fourth. Wow. That would be how I, I would go. It. Yeah. I think Matt Ryan I think Matt Ryan has kind of fallen off a cliff and uh I don't think he's terrible, but obviously I'm a Darnold guy. If I think Darnold's going to be good this year and limit the turnovers, which I do think he will be able to do, I think he'll be better than Jameis. That's kind of the vacuum I put it in. And then Matt Ryan, to me, just I just don't really see much there for Matt Ryan. He hasn't really impressed me in three years. So I don't really expect him to like get shot out of a cannon this year and start playing really impressively. Um, I just think he's becoming more and more of a field, field general as time goes on here. And with the loss of Julio, I know Pitts is a great addition. I just don't necessarily see how he's going to be, you know, playing at that, you know, all pro or elite level um, with with the tool with the tools and players he has around him. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. Um, I would probably put Darnold at two, but I think kind of objectively right now, based on how all four of those quarterbacks played last year, I think you'd have to put Matt Ryan at two, in my opinion, if you wanted to be safe just for floors. I'd go Brady. Well, yeah, that was a pure projection. This isn't me. Like, the the safe answer would be Brady, Darnold. Matt Ryan, and then Darnold, whoever James. Darnold, yeah. Jameis, or Jameis Darn. I mean, I'd probably put Darnold over Jameis just because Darnold was at least starting last year. I don't. Um, if, but I think you can. Yeah, I'll just touch on the Darnold thing real quick. I just I think six wins would be pretty disappointing um, for the Panthers. I think Darnold would have to be playing at a very high level, and they would have to be getting kind of royally. Um, screwed over because I think if the Panthers are in the six win range and at the bottom eight of the NFL next year, I don't know how you can, you know, expect them to not take a quarterback and, and not really move on from Sam Darnold. So I think to answer your question, Clep, I think my expectations for Darnold this year are to establish himself as the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers for the next couple of years going forward. And I think, you know, I'm going to be out of excuses for Sam Darnold after this year. If, if that's not the case, I think he, by far has the best coaching around him that he had. he's on the best team that he's had. Not even like that's a that's a high bar, but the skill positions around him, um, adding even a guy like Terrence Marshall into the mix. Um, yeah, it's it it's almost like he needs to play well enough so that they're not having a top ten pick and people are talking about them taking yeah. a quarterback. Yeah, like he's got to play them into like the thirteen to twenty range of of the NFL draft, so that yeah. it's you know it's not even a conversation come, come I next think, year. Um, Tommy, I was just gonna say, oh, I think the Panthers have a better roster than the Falcons. I would say. Um, I guess Lee, you kind of mentioned that you you kind of like the Falcons a little bit more. Um, I just, you know, I think the the mix of coaching, offensive skill positions, and, and kind of the potential on defense. Um, you know, I, I I guess that's my only point. You know, I think, you know, I think that I would take the Panthers right now as a little bit better of a, an all around roster. Yeah. No, you're 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 probably right. I think that it's kind of interchangeable, though. I don't think either of them really separates himself. I like more players on the Panthers, but I do think there's probably a little bit more to trust in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, no, I I think you're probably right, and you're right about the six wins thing too. That would not meet the criteria. I think he's got to be winning at least seven games with the extended season. Um, yeah, I think he's got to be winning at least seven games. I want to see him cut down the turnovers and, like you guys said, play himself out of that quarterback draft if, conversation. And if you real him. quick, if you want to throw out a, a statistical goal, I mean, four thousand yards and twenty-five touchdowns—that would be kind of my like. I think he should be able to do that, win-loss, you know, or draw, however many games they're winning. Um, I think if he's fully healthy for the year, 
in that system, um, it should be a clear upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I think I remember seeing some, uh, like, that Teddy Bridgewater was 0 for 6 or 0 for 7 last year in, you know, fourth quarter for the win opportunities, right? So just being a thing where, like, Sam Darnold won us, yeah. you know, two or three games this year, um, I think would be big. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, uh, question kind of of the same exact, uh, you know, form. With Zach Wilson, what do you need to see from him in, in his rookie year to make kind of your draft evaluation for you to feel like confident um, that he's going to grow into what you think he can be. I think all three of us understand the limitations that there are in, you know, with the jets and their roster that it's, it's not a good team right now. And that obviously if Zach Wilson's like struggling as a rookie, I don't think Lee and I are necessarily going to throw him to the Wolves yet, even though we didn't like him in the pre-draft process, because you have to take into account that context. But at the same time, I think it's important for a rookie quarterback that you see something, right? Like, I think when, you know, when Wentz was a rookie, when Deshaun Watson was a rookie, Burrow, Herbert last year, you all see flashes of something, whereas like Tua, we saw nothing from him that kind of suggests that, not to say it can't happen for him, right? But it's like, it wasn't a good rookie season. So what do you want to see from, from Zach in, in year one to make you feel confident about your evaluation of him? You know, I, I think you kind of summed it up, Clap. I think it's about seeing the, the you know, the sparks of potential and, and big playability. Um, I think that's why he got drafted in that spot. I think I'm, I'm very confident right now about, about Zach Wilson going forward. I think, um, you know, there's gushing reviews about his work ethic and how hard he's working right now. I think that's kind of an that was an intangible question about him. We all know that he had the physical ability, but you know what was it going to be like for him? You know, off the field and and what type of leadership he was going to bring. You know, that was a, a red red flag for him. The fact that he wasn't a captain his senior year for whatever reason. So as long as I see you know high, the the high end ability that he showcased at BYU, I think we're going to see turnovers. I think they're going to be down in a lot of games. So I think he should have the opportunity to showcase this kind of ability. Um, but, I, Clep, I think you kind of summed it up perfectly with Herbert and Burrow. What did we see last year? Uh, we saw we saw kind of glimpses of, of greatness and potential eliteness and, and franchise quarterbackness. And I think that's, you know, what you want to see. You don't want to see a guy who's, who's a deer in headlights. You want to see a guy who's playing confidently. And it's okay, if I think, if he's going to turn the ball over. I, you know, I, I just want to see kind of the high-end ability that we saw at BYU – and I'm pretty confident that, that we're going to be able to see that. I really like what how the Jets are building their team and what Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are cooking up. So I think anything other than him kind of falling out in his face and looking like you know a bust, looking like kind of Tua-esque even, just like a guy who the moment is a little bit too big for him, I think anything other than that uh, would, be a, would be an encouraging sign. Liu, um, what do you uh... – I think we're, uh, as a podcast, like so much looking forward to that week one matchup between the Panthers uh, and the Jets. I guess to, to bring these two two guys full circle here, like what would your reaction be if, if the Jets beat the Panthers like in week one? Honestly, I mean, I guess I wouldn't have to be that surprised. It's a 17-game season. You have to take things in stride. Um, I don't think that that's the end-all, be-all. <clears throat> I obviously expect the Panthers to win. Um, but, hey, I mean <laughs> – 
for as much as I like don't like Zach or didn't like Zach Wilson as a prospect, like there's a reason why he was drafted there. I obviously I'm not blind. I could see the high end potential of his game. Um, it's just when people start throwing out the comparisons to Mahomes and Rodgers and all this type of thing, and when I see him literally get drafted second, it's just with me there's a disconnect there. It just doesn't. It just didn't really make that much sense to me, and that's why I pushed against it. So I mean, sure, there's possibility that Zach Wilson could come out and play really well. I don't think it's going to happen, um, but I guess to answer your question, I, I would be surprised, but I also would be, I guess, eager to see how that team finished out the year because if they come out week one and Zach Wilson looks like the 1B or 1A to Trevor Lawrence, um, this is a Jets team that could be way more competitive than we thought, and I've been very wrong about things in the NFL before. Everyone's wrong about almost everything in the NFL every year. That's why we love it so much. So it, it'd be, it would be interesting to see. I'm, uh, so yeah, and I'm, I think that would be, that's like low key the most, the game I'm anticipating the most from week one to kind of not bottom feeder teams, but two probably bottom 10, bottom 12 teams in the NFL going at it just because of the quarterback battle. But I, I do expect, I want to underline that I do expect Carolina to win that game. And I would be, I mean, I'd be really disappointed in Darnold too. Even if Wilson plays a good game, it's like, man, you're going to come get out by the rookie who, got drafted to replace you and now you're start in your first game in this new scenario where you probably I mean I don't want to use objectively but you have better weapons than this guy you have more experience than this guy um, I, I just think that this that's a position where Darnold can really kind of stamp him, himself in there as the the starter in Carolina and, and, and they can be at least somewhat comfortable with the decision they've made. Uh, let me get, let me throw a counterpoint out real quick or a counter question to, to Adam and Lee. What do you think the percent chance is that Zach Wilson outperforms Trevor Lawrence or you know is the is the best of the rookie quarterbacks as a as a rookie? 15. Yeah, I would say like 5%. Right. I think Trey I think Trey Lance is starting from week 1 in in San Francisco and I think he's going to play yep. really really well there. I think like yeah, twelve to fifteen. I mean, I, I'm I'm really interested to watch Zach Wilson in the first five weeks of the season or so. Maybe the first, you know, what? It's so dumb. I wish you could say four. It'd be like the first yeah. quarter of the season. It's it's. I hate this so much. I'm still adjusting too. <coughs> it's ridiculous. But like what I, what I'm kind what, from my evaluation, like what I'm kind of expecting to see is for him to be a little bit overwhelmed by the athleticism of the NFL. Yeah. It's like, and I think that's where my biggest concern with him was. And I think that's one thing that might bear itself out in like the first year where it's like, sure. He was this magician in college, but he can't make the same type of plays in the NFL. Not because his ad libbing skills aren't good, but that's just because the defensive linemen are freaks and the linebackers are freaks. And he wasn't going up that against that consistently in the mountain West. So, that's kind of what I'm expecting to see, and if I don't, and if it kind of looks like he, you know, is an NFL athlete and he's able to do the same things he was in college, then that's where I, I'm, you know, might have to go back and you know reevaluate how I evaluate quarterbacking and stuff like that, right? But um, Lee, I want to I want to move on to you. Another question headed your way here. Since the beginning of the Back to podcast, you've been a, a big supporter of the Giants. Mm. And expecting them to do well every year, uh, yet it's been one of the more darker periods of, of football for the for the New York Giants since the Back to the Podcast has started. 
simple question is, are you on the Giants again? Because you're a big Joe Judge guy. Things roster-wise are looking up. Maybe a nice draft from Gettleman this year. Yeah, I'm a Giants guy. Of course I'm a Giants guy. I mean, I think that they're a really good football team with a mediocre to bad quarterback. And I yeah. think that that's going to limit them. Um, I think they can win any game on their schedule. You know, I think they can win any game on their schedule. I think that their coaching staff is headed in the right direction. I think their roster is headed in the right direction. I've been said it before. I'll say it again. I think Saquon Barkley is the best football player in the world when he's healthy. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy this year and contribute to that offense. Um, I think they've got some really good pieces on defense. I think they're building something. But this is ultimately going to be the make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. It's a quarterback league. And do I acknowledge the fact that he can limit them and, and make them a six- or seven-win team? Absolutely. That's a possibility. Um, I'm hoping that it won't happen. I believe in the roster, like I said, and I believe in the coaching. So I do believe in the Giants, but I don't believe in Daniel Jones. So it's, I'm kind of in a conundrum where I'm stuck in the middle a little bit here. And I think that he can improve. I've seen flashes where it's like, I guess this can work. But ultimately, you kind of have to pick your battles with quarterback. You can't like everybody. And... I just don't think that he's that great. Uh, the silver lining to that is I do believe that it's well within the realm of possibility that he can play to be the second-best quarterback in this division. Um, I don't think it's going to be that difficult for him, competing with guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jalen Hurts. Those guys could also ultimately be better, but I think that those all three of those quarterbacks are kind of in the same category behind Dak Prescott. Not directly behind him, but they're all behind him. Um, and I, I think that if Daniel Jones can just play – let the game come to him and be a trailer quarterback for that roster. The Giants could do pretty good things this year, pretty cool things. And, be, and ultimately, I do think they could be a playoff contender if he can protect the football. So that's kind of where my head's at with the, uh, with the football Giants. But, no, I'm not, I'm not hopping off the wagon quite yet. I would, I'd <laughs> like to say that I also will be uh, uh, enthusiastic for the Giants this year as a potential uh, NFC East spoiler of sorts. I think the, the Cowboys and, and the football team deserve to be at the, uh, the top, but – I think if I had uh, a gun to head, if, if the Giants are sitting at seven and a half wins, I think I'd like to take that over. Um, and, I, and if I could just segue into, into my second favorite uh, bet of the preseason so far, it's the Eagles under six and a half plus 125. Um, I'm, I'm low on the Eagles this year. I do like Jalen Hurts, but I think Nick Sirianni is a, is a bit of a dodo brain, and I think his roster is not very good. Um, he's going to have Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard to – help him a little bit and prop him up. But I just think, uh, you know, even though I like Jalen Hurts coming out, I think this roster just isn't good enough to support him to be a competitive team that's going to win seven games in the NFL this year. Yeah, I think both the NFC and AFC East are extremely interesting. Those will be uh, fun podcasts podcast to go through. So uh, my, my last question is for the both of you. Um, so we got. I'm going to set the scene a little bit. Uh, I'm the I'm the CEO of Greektown Casino. All right, you two are my uh, my top sports book odds makers. I've called you into my office because we got a new bet we're going to release to the public, and I need you guys to you guys need to come together. And each I don't want each of you shouting out your own your own answer. You got to come together and agree on a single number for the odds on this new bet that we're going to release to the public. Let's hear it. All right, and it's going to be. What are the odds that Zach Taylor is fired by the Bengals and then Joe Brady is hired as the next head coach? Wow. 
And it doesn't matter what the timeline of this these events are. It no, just has Zach to happen. Taylor will be fired at some point, and then when they you know do their interviews, Joe Brady well, will if, be the next head. If I can start the conversation, Lee, maybe we can talk this through. I think the first part of it is how likely is it that Zach Taylor is going to be fired by the Bengals at any point? More yes. likely than yeah, not. I, I believe he's chalk right now for first coach to be fired. Um, and yeah. then he's got a dismal record and it's not looking up for that team this year. Even if they may have a, a decent year, I think a decent year for them is like six or seven. If, if the Bengals win six or seven games, does Zach Taylor retain his job? No. I think that's interesting. Really? I think that's an interesting question. I, I think of, I would probably think that Zach Taylor, what would his record be at that point? If they go six and 11, his record and his, I sent it to you yeah, guys. Yeah, but it would be day. like it would be like improvement totally. over the well, last. And two Burrow seasons. being healthy, I think a lot of it has to do with the progression of the offense. And, uh, but I guess, I guess my main point is the likely. I, I agree with Lee that Zach Taylor's likelihood of being fired right now is probably more likely than not. And then if there's an opening in Cincinnati, you have to think that Joe Bur- uh, that Joe Brady would be chalk for that opening. You know, as an odds maker. Well, he would be the favorite, yeah. It's hard to make a single person chalk totally. because we don't know who's going to be but all available. Of the, all of the narratives. But I, would, I would say somewhere, what do you think about like 11 to 1? I think that's too high, man. Because it's just such a specific I think, bet. Yeah, I, I was going to say like <laughs> 6 or 7 to 1. Yeah, I like think that could happen, because, but I wouldn't bet it at 7 to 1 because it's like you're betting that you're parlaying – that not only Zach yeah. Taylor is going to get fired, but that you know specifically who will be hi- the one man that will be hired in the future. And this is all based off basically hype from LSU. And it's like, I guess there's a certain amount of substance and, in that. And also, but I think... It's also very I mean, niche. As, as what if someone else hires Joe Brady? What if like the Texans fire Cully? Eight weeks in, but can they do that? I don't think Brady would abandon his post. In the I guess middle. they. I guess they can't do that. But I, what if just someone? I think the season even. What if? What if someone else hires? What if someone else I'm, just beats I, them to the punch? Is yeah, that, that is a possibility. But I'm trying to think of what Joe Brady would have to do to fall out of favor, not only in my mind but in the mind of the NFL. Whereas, like we have, I'm not saying he won't. I'm saying that there could be other I, candidates. If, if if that. Like Bienemy, I think for for example, or David. Yeah, totally. You know, like those. What if those guys are available? They could get hired by Cincinnati. I just don't want to fall too much into the whole LSU thing because it's like I get it, and Brady will be a if, great candidate, but so will Dable and so will Bienemy and other guys. Who, who would you make the favorite? Who would you make the favorite? Like, would you do Brady or? Well, it's just really hard. Right yeah, now. let's say it's January 1st, 2022, <laughs> and Cincinnati has an open job, and you have all of these names and names that we don't even know about that are going to be available. Well, I am I would project that the Chiefs would at least make the Super Bowl and that Biennemi would probably be the favorite because it would be year three of Biennemi having an incredible offense. However much of that is, to his credit, is whatever. But it'd be year three of him not getting a head coaching job. And it's like, he probably would be the odds-on favorite for me to get hired by any team to be the head coach uh, over Joe Brady, even if there is the Burrow-Chase connection yeah. there, just because Biennemi has like earned his oats. I would, I would, I would disagree. I think that 
Well, yeah, Tommy, but you also like thought Joe Brady was like the I best did, but I, but I also think that NFL front offices, especially a, a front office and organization that's been as dysfunctional as the Bengals, Joe reuniting Jamar Chase and Joe Brady and, and Joe Burrow with Joe Brady, I think is just something that is like they would a hundred percent love to do, and I'm not saying that it would happen, but I think it would be irresponsible as an odds maker to not make that the the most likely outcome because. One, I think, I mean, I thought, but what? So what if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, Matt? I still. Like, the Chiefs are the favorite to win the Super Bowl. So what if they win the Super Bowl? And, like, the enemy's available to be a head coach yet again. And, like, I, well, also, I just think also, that, sure, there's the Brady factor. And I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying that, like, to me, if the Chiefs win two Super Bowls in three years and go to three Super Bowls in three years and win two, and have their offensive prowess that they do. After year three, Biennemi has got to be their favorite. I, I, there's, there's also be, something that we're failing to, to, to put into this equation too, which is, is Eric Biennemi going to want to who, – who would rather go to Cincinnati between the two? I think Joe Brady would rather go to Cincinnati of the two, especially if you paint – is Cincinnati the best job in the NFL if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Forget you know. Forget who is the number one candidate in the NFL. I doubt that a, a six or five wins. So you're saying you'd make it seven to yeah, one. Yeah, seven, eight to one. So maybe you know. I just think if if the to the, if the likelihood of Zach Taylor um, getting fired is let's just make it let's just make it. Nine yeah, that to sounds one. that sounds good to me. I think nine to one is fair. I'll I think the only the market. only hill that so I'm dying on is if the Bengals fire Zach Taylor. I would make Joe Brady, and I think most books would make Joe Brady the odds-on favorite to take the, to to take that job, and they very well could be wrong. In the same, you know, in in, in a, it, maybe it's not totally analogous, but like Sala with the Lions, it's like that. It, was he not chalk for the Lions job, or he probably it, it, was he, the favorite. And the only reason he, of but course, I mean, the only reason higher. he was the favorite was because he was from Detroit. Which I think is a lot weaker of a reason to make him, yeah. you know, the chalk than Joe Brady, who has familiarity with both players and, you know, arguably pioneered the best offense in college football history. And, oh, by the way, was, you know, Carolina's offense, as I've said a thousand times before, like really was competent and impressive last year. Yeah, I think nine to one, Club. I think we come to you with nine that's, to one. That's a good. Hey, we'll see. We'll see what the what the Sharks do with it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be very interesting to, um, to see how. That I think. Goes. I just think too. I think uh, maybe uh, a part of that conversation too. That's like, I think Joe Brady would want to go to. I mean, of all the potential head coaches that would be interviewing in Cincinnati, I feel like Joe Brady would want to go there club. the most. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but that is to also to say though, like. If Joe Burrow has a great year, who wouldn't really want to go to Cincinnati? Yeah. Because and you already have that quarterback. At the end of the place. day, it's about who well, wants. And if, the and coach. if Joe Burrow, if Joe Burrow has a great year, yeah. how likely is it That's that true. Zach Taylor gets fired? If Joe Burrow is a top ten quarterback in the NFL this year, how likely is it that Zach, that Zach Taylor gets fired? I think that would make it a little less than likely that he's fired from more than likely. Um, which takes me to another head to head, or I guess I'll, I'm not going to say head to head. What do you guys think the likelihood is that the Bengals are better than the Steelers this year? 30%. Uh, yeah, 20%. 20%. Okay. Because I'm 30%. thinking like 40 to 45%. 40 to 
Dude, I'm so tired of this. Like, oh god, I just can't wait for the season to start. I'm, we're not going to be able to evade your, you know, discontent with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I guess we just have to kind of get comfortable with it. But I just think it's very uh, to say that the Bengals have just under a 50% chance of being better than the Steelers. I think is a little bit ridiculous. Well, I th- just from a standpoint of like. The Steelers have a better coach. They're obviously historically a better team. They have a better roster. They have an incomparably better defense. They have a better coach and defense, but I think I their just offense, don't... the offenses could be a wash, and Cincinnati by far has a better quarterback, which already puts them in that in that conversation. The fact that their quarterback is, I think, like exponentially better than Ben Roethlisberger makes them you know, at least have a, a, a fighter's chance in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, what did I say? Thirty percent. I think that's, that's fair. I, I was fair. expecting Lee. I was expecting you to go to like fifteen to twenty. So I, I think that's a fair. No, I think thirty percent is fair. It's the NFL. Burrow is better than Roethlisberger. You could say the offenses are a wash. I know I could catch heat for this. I still think the Steelers' offensive line is better than the Bengals. Just be literally because I believe in the Steelers' coaching, and I don't think their offensive line is just going to be bad. Like I just think I just don't believe it. And, and if it happens, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see. But I think that the Steelers' offense is going to be fairly efficient this year. They obviously – it's not like – sure, the offenses are a wash, but the Steelers still have, like, a good offense. The Bengals have a good offense. The Steelers have a good defense. The Bengals don't have a good defense. And the Bengals have a head coach who's gone 6-28 or whatever in his three years, and the Steelers have Mike well, Thomas. I think so I like, think Joe Burrow on the Steelers' offense, they by far have a better offense, but I think so much of what makes, in my opinion, Cincinnati's offense better is the receiving options and running back are pretty much a wash. I'm, I, I think you could you can make an argument for either way, but I think just Burrow is, is at such a higher, is such a better player than Ben Roethlisberger right now in both of their respective careers that... Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree. I think Burrow's better yeah. than Roethlisberger. But I think that's basically all Cincinnati has going for them. And I just don't think that that's necessarily going to – that doesn't make them a 45% chance to be better yeah, than the Steelers. Enough. I mean, I, I, you know, that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, not, not to go backwards, boys, but I, I looked up first coach fired odds. Uh, and this is, this is per Bet Online AG. Tommy, yep. if you want to go to your Vibata, <laughs> check it out. But uh, there are four coaches, five coaches, with uh, lower odds than Zach Taylor. Wow. Should we try um, to guess him? Yeah, I should try and guess him. Let's try to guess him. Um, I said that right. Okay, lower I, odds, think, I think Kingsbury right. probably yeah. is one of them for sure. He is tied wow. with Zach Taylor. He's tied. Okay. There's five other coaches. Nagy. Nagy. Yep, Nagy's don't, one of them. Don't tell him. Nagy. He is. He's. I, do you want me to tell you where he's at? And no, he's one. He's of one them. of them. Um, don't tell me Gruden's on there because that's ridiculous. If Gruden's ahead of him. Are you gonna guess if Gruden's on there? I mean, I just think that's so stupid of the book to put Gruden on there because I think the. Cha- Gruden's, Gruden's on there. Gruden, Gruden's on I there. Will... Yeah. Fangio? Fangio's ahead of him. Wow. That's three, two left. Zimmer? Zimmer's, yep. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, McCarthy has to be up there. McCarthy. Yep, yep. 
Wow, we just drilled that. Yeah, that was good, good work, Tommy. I think putting Gruden, I think the, you know, how bad would the Raiders have to be for Gruden to get fired? And for the for the, for the the organization to eat? He's not getting Gruden's fired. Gruden's not getting fired. No, I don't, I mean, he's, he's not, not he's getting, not. I also yeah. will go on a limb and say it'd be stupid for them to fire Gruden. Yeah. Just live with it. You made the decision. Yeah. Now just live with it. He, at the there could be a pot of gold at the end of the road. Who knows? Just just live with it. Um, I think that's ridiculous. I think Zach Taylor should have the 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 highest odds to get fired. I'd be interested if either of you disagree with that. Maybe Nagy. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess I think maybe Nagy. I think, if they like I don't start know. I think Dalton. McCarthy. I think McCarthy's a good one. Like if the if the Cowboys start out yeah. like zero and four. I want to say too, since we're Tommy's throwing out, I like the Cowboys I this do year. Too. I like I like the Cowboys this year. I like I love that Dan Quinn's the defensive coordinator and they got that boob out. Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan. I wow. think he was a total I think, idiot. And I think that with Dak being healthy, it's kind of just going to give a resurgence to the whole offense. All all I hear about you want Tommy wants to talk about Zach Wilson reports. All these reports talking about how Zeke <laughs> is a completely different player now. He's he's in the best shape of his life. He looks like he's coming out of college again. Um, obviously they've got great receiving options. I'd love to see Amari Cooper get healthy, but I mean, they've got great receiving options and I just think that they're going to come back with a, with a sizable Michael chip Parsons, on Parsons chalk for defensive and, and I would say right now too. He's going to get a bunch of tackles and yeah. some sacks and be a, a game wrecker. Klepp, I agree yep. with your logic and I want to apply that. I just, I'm going to apply it to who I think the only other person I would make chalk for first coach fired, I think is Kingsbury because I think if the, if the Cardinals start off slow, for a lot of the same reasons you just brought up, Clep, they're in a an, so much tougher division than the Cowboys. I think it's going to be hard for the Cowboys to start off that bad, just because. Uh, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't. Yeah, but isn't there like a certain isn't there a certain level with Kingsbury where it's like he's the play caller, he's the offense. Like maybe you would keep him for longer. Like, isn't Mike McCarthy easier just to get rid of? Because like, what does he do? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a valid point, but I think with. Or then maybe saying, oh, Cliff, yeah, you're in charge of everything yeah. and everything sucks. For yeah. me, it would you be know. Nagy because if they start Dalton and they go one and three in their first four games, like he's on the hottest seat in the NFL, I think. Whereas if Zach Taylor starts one and three, I don't think he's as on, on as of hot of yeah. a seat as Nagy. Um, so that's where I would say Nagy. But I still think I would lean Zach Taylor just because – at least Nagy has somewhat of a resume to fall back on where it's like, hey, I got us to the to playoffs, the playoffs last won 12 yeah. games before, whereas Zach Taylor has really nothing to his name. And this is kind of the put-up-or-shut-up year. And the Bengals, I mean, for as much as I like their offense, I just don't think they're a very good football team in the NFL. Like, I just think there's – I think it's a really hard argument to say the Bengals aren't a, a bottom-10 team in the NFL. And I just think that's a nearly impossible argument to make. And you're going to be playing against, even if you want to say the Steelers aren't that good, you're still playing against the Browns and Ravens twice a year too. And one of those games against the Steelers is at Heinz Field, which you're not going to win. Uh, you know, I just, it's going to be really tough for the Bengals to be a competitive team this year, even if Burrow is good. I, I just think it's going to be really hard for well, them. Well, I, I think, don't if, think they're. They're, they're going to have to score not, a but lot hey, of but points. But they, they, they can do that. On, you know, right now, when you're looking at their team on paper, there's no reason why their offense should not be firing on all cylinders. I think that would be... Well, yeah, their offensive line isn't very good. That would be a reason. Yeah, yeah, a lot of teams' offensive line isn't good. I think the Steelers' offensive line isn't, isn't that good. But I just think... 
Well, but at least the Steelers have a defense to fall back on where they're not going to have to be scoring 28 or more points a game. Yeah, and that's... And the Bengals that's, are. That's, that's fair enough. That's you know. fair enough. But I, th- I just think that's the Bengals, I was, you know, they can't... They should be able to... If I'm a Bengals fan, I want to see... Zach Taylor was brought in to be McVay 2.0. He needs to put out an offense that can score, you know, three to three to four touchdowns a game pretty easily. And, and they... Yeah. My thing with that is, like, if he hasn't proved it yet, why would it happen now? I, th- I think that's a good point. I think... Just be, they well, have, I guess, injury. Totally. And they have the an reason. embarrassment. Obviously, the offensive line is not good, but they have an embarrassment of riches at the skill positions and then Joe Mixon. So, like, the, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, it doesn't get much better than that, I think, for a quarterback, especially a quarterback with Joe Burrow's ability. And... and I think everyone's starting to forget, like, I mean, Burrow was pretty darn unbelievable for before he got hurt. Like, he was he was keeping them in a lot of games. I'm thinking of that Cleveland game, um, the Eagles game, too, just like the type of plays that he was, you know, pulling off. And I, obviously Herbert took a lot of that shine after the injury, but that was a neck-and-neck conversation for the vast majority of the season. Yeah, he was pretty good. And, like, how good is Jamar Chase going to be? Like, he was better than just there. He's a better prospect than Justin Jefferson. Obviously, Justin Jefferson had a, a pretty uh, darn special year as a rookie. But, I mean, Jamar Chase was, a lot of people would make the argument, the best receiver in college football with Justin Jefferson, with Jerry Judy, with C.D. Lamb. I mean, he, you know, was completely dominant. So, what is that going to do for that offense? Just make sure, just make sure they're not playing the Broncos this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's going to be interesting to see. Another camp favorite is uh, T. Higgins. A lot of good reports coming out about the way he's looking in camp. So yeah, I mean the weapons there are good for Gale. Yeah, good for <laughs> yeah, good for Gale, who's been been making some moves this off season. There's been no shortage of uh, entertainment from the BJP Dynasty League this off season. Chris, Chris, going Chris down. really Keep wanted to remind yeah. Stevenson, huh? He did. He did. See, that's where I'm like, I'm like, I'm pissed I drafted J.B. Hawkins. That was a mistake. Why? Because you can't, like, trade him or, uh... Yeah, I just, I don't know what, I, would, I don't really, he was undrafted. Yeah. That you were was going for like, opportunity, it wasn't... Yeah. Was I know, Atlanta? but... I mean, he's supposed to be, or no, I guess Quadri Olison is supposed to be the number two. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they use him in kind of a gadget role. And, it, and what yeah. he does with that role, well, you know, we'll see. I think I would he just rather have drafted Ramondre and gotten a 20-24-2. I couldn't have projected that would Speaking happen. Speaking of, uh, yeah, Lee, what are what are the chances that Najee Harris isn't the best rookie running back in, in the NFL? Um... I'd say 35, that he's not the best. I'd say there's a, there's a, uh, yeah, I'd say there's a 65% chance he's the best running back, rookie running back in the NFL. I think that it should be a sizable amount over half that he's going to be. ETN scares me, and, and Javante, obviously, I like those guys a lot. I just think Najee is going to get the ball the most. He definitely should have the most guys. opportunity out of any rookie running back. 
And like I was saying earlier, I know you're not a huge Steelers line guy. I'm not trying to say the Steelers have some great offensive line, but I just I just don't think it's going to be dismal. I think their offensive line is going to be somewhere from, you know, 12 to 20, and I think that's going to work for them. If you guys had, if you guys had, just the choice straight up between um, adding to your dynasty team, Pitts or Jamar Chase, which one would you add? Just in a vacuum. Yeah, just in a vacuum. That's tough, man. Pitts. That's tough. I don't really think you can go wrong, Pitts. but um, probably Pitts. I think I'd probably take Pitts. I think Pitts is just a little bit safer, but I. Wide receivers are a dime a dozen. Yeah, but elite, elite, elite like, wide receivers are, are not. Yeah, but I don't know, man. I just... I, I agree with you. Jamar Chase is, like, really good, but Pitts is going to have a certain, like, target share that I don't think Chase is going to have, at least early on, um, because they, there are guys like Tyler Boyd and, and T. Higgins in Cincinnati, whereas I feel like Pitts is really... Well, I outside. I mean, in no no disrespect to uh, Russell Gage, I think, but outside of Calvin Ridley, Pitts should be getting, you know, I would every target. Tommy, this is this is an interesting question for Tommy because I've talked with Lee about this right now, or like recently. But like, what do you think the market value for Calvin Ridley is slash should be? You're saying dynasty or just or in NFL real life? Yeah. No dynasty. Because my my hot take is that Gondo should sell high. I don't think that's Ridley. necessarily a bad take, but um, I just think how old is Rid- Ridley's? What twenty six? Because he was old coming out. He's got to be close. He's like, he's like twenty six or twenty seven, I think. I think I'll it look de- it up right now. He is twenty six. I don't know. He might turn twenty seven. It obviously depends on the season. return. But if I could get uh, a CD Lamb, if I could get a CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, you know, one of those second year receivers, um, or like a running back and. And a pick, like if, if he's being valued as like a top three receiver, then I agree with you and I would sell high. But Calvin Ridley is a phenomenal route runner. Just from a pure real life football standpoint, like his floor, I think, is very high. And if Gondo doesn't sell high on him this year and Pitts emerges as a one potentially, I think that Calvin Ridley is going to retain his value for, I think, at least the next five years just because of his. His route running ability and separation. I think it depends. I just think he's really good. So like, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna get the most targets on that well, team. To go back, to go back to your question, Clef and Lee, what you were talking about with Pitts and his target share, I would be surprised if Jamar Chase isn't the number one receiver on Cincinnati by year's end. Like at the end of the year. Yeah, I guess I. I guess I would too, but I just think that there are more. There are more formidable weapons in Cincinnati than there are in Atlanta. I just think there's a, there's a significant drop-off from Pitts to Russell Gage, where there's a drop-off from Jamar Chase to T. Higgins slash Tyler Boyd, but I just think that those guys are all... Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are just like really good, in my opinion. Those guys are really good players to me. And in Atlanta, the only other really good player skill position player they have is Ridley. So... I just think Pitts, and then you you boot that with the fact that he's a tight end, which is a niche position, obviously, in Dynasty, where it's just like you're getting a 22-year-old top three fantasy tight end. And I would my mentality is almost just like take care of your receivers later. Like you missed out on Jamar Chase, who could be great, 
but there's just like so many really really good receivers whereas there's only like four or five really really good tight ends yeah i mean i had mark andrews and i even sometimes just like get frustrated because it's like man like it's really hard to get consistent performance from the tight end position um and i just really think that pitts maybe if it doesn't happen year one i think it will i just think you're really going to be getting consistent performance from him i just think a down week for him is like well is there any is there any is there any tight end in dynasty that you would take over pits like if you were doing a startup draft yeah dynasty i don't think there is for me at least yeah i don't really know if there is for me i think that there could be compelling arguments to make yeah kittle who i think is going to be really good for probably another five or six years like i don't think he's really going to slow down that much um Waller is another guy I probably would consider. Hawkinson is a guy I definitely would consider too, but I probably would take Pitts over over Hawkinson. I would too. I probably would take Pitts over most of those guys. Yeah, it, it'd more be a thing like, do you take Pitts and whatever? I don't mean who knows. I, I'd be interested. I should look up what like a, a startup draft is, but it's like, would you take Pitts and say round two or three, or Hawkinson in round you know five or six? I'd say I'd take Hawkinson. I'd be surprised if Hawkinson lasts that long right. in a startup draft, to be honest. Yeah, he probably wouldn't. Yeah. Just because tight yeah. ends are such a premium. Because there's such a big drop-off after, like, Hawkinson, Mark Andrews. Well, and... You're just getting into, like, the, you know, I don't know. Who would be, like, after that drop-off? Would it be, like... I think Goddard. I mean, as a guy who's been doing a, a guy who's been doing Goddard, a lot of a lot of best Goddard. ball, a lot of best ball, there seems to be... There's a top six of tight ends where it's, you know... Uh, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson, Andrews, and Pitts, and then I guess Goddard, and then, you know, Noah Fant. That's like eight. But even with Fant, you're dealing with the Denver offense and everything. Like, talented as he is individually, it's like kind of those those seven are in, like, prime roles, and then you're kind of, it's you know, for the rest of them, it's, it's, it's a completely different different game. Yeah, I think, I mean, Klepp, I mean, Hawkinson, also, like, how proven is Fant? Hawkinson you know? went in round six in this uh, dynasty draft I'm looking at. Wow. Four four. I mean, wh- One QB, what is what is Kyle Pitts receiving prop for the year? Is he projected to go a thousand? Is it like nine ninety nine point five? Because I, I think, like, I, if I remember correctly, the rookie tight end receiving record I think is like eight hundred or seven hundred yards. I think it was like it's a not. Um... If you want me to get you going with a prop here, Tommy, I saw Adam Adam Levitan. Yeah. Shout out to the guys who know a lot more than we do about this stuff. Uh, taking the over on Rondale Moore uh, receiving yards at five hundred. Um, I just think that's yeah, a really good bet, especially because I just think he's they're going to find ways to use him in that offense. And one of the other guys, Anthony Amico, was talking about like making if you want to make a bet, thinking about like could this guy possibly do this in twelve games? And I just don't think it would be really that unrealistic for Rondale Moore to pop off in that way. And we were talking about Tony a little bit, and it's like nothing against Tony, but it's like I'd much rather bet the over on Rondale oh, Moore five hundred yards than Tony five. Well, I think Rondale Moore is, is going to um, emerge as the number two receiver in Arizona by year's end. Maybe Kirk, but 500 is not very much. But even if he's just like the number one slot yeah. option, like, because he's just such a yak player, where it's like, I just don't really think that that's a very demanding prop. 
for him to get 500 receiving yards. Um, I guess I could be wrong, but what is that per game in 17 games? If he, assuming he stays healthy, I um, can't do the quick math. I mean, it's not a lot. There, it's probably it's probably it's not a lot. like it's 30 not yards a, a game like, almost or something. It's like 30 something. It's like yards 42 a yards a game or something like that. So if he pops off one game and gets like 85 yards, even yeah, it's like you already have. You I like that a lot. Yeah, I think I might, I might fire on that. What he has to do. Um, so yeah, check that one out. There's always the injuries though that could be stingy because Rondo Moore has not necessarily been the most healthy guy the past four or five years. That's a good point. I definitely am going to be firing off. Uh, I got Trey Lance right now at plus seven forty to win Rookie of the Year. Um, I think Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, even Justin Fields. I think anybody but Lawrence. I just think you kind of have to go for quarterbacks at that um, for Rookie of the Year. Um, yeah, that's kind of a non sequitur, but I'm looking at I'm looking at all these numbers right now. Yeah. Um, does that pretty much wrap it up? I think that does it. Anything else, boys? Frank Clark could be going to jail for three years. I want to. Oh yeah, that's up. right. Also, um, yeah, I hope, I hope he, doesn't he doesn't either. Something we haven't touched on is uh, Julio to the Titans. What do you guys? Uh, what do you guys think yeah. about that? I obviously I think love it's a, it. I'll yeah, go great move for them. I mean, I was the guy that traded up for Waddle in our what I would do draft. I was kind of pounding my fist on the table for them to get a number two receiver. I knew Josh Reynolds and Anthony Ferkser weren't going to, you know, make up for the the hole that Corey Davis left, and they went out and did it. Tennessee's in a win a win now team, you know. Um, and say what you want about some of the holes on their defense, this is a team that's not looking to back down from anybody, and they are chasing their window right now, which I admire. And I think that they're doing what they can to win. Um, little Titans talk, though. I, I, uh, another source online I was reading about was um, Teddy. This Teddy Covers Wager Talk guy was doing a deep dive on running backs that are going into their third year after two consecutive years with over 330 touches. I think it was. And Derrick Henry is the only running back that fell into that category. And apparently, historically, he went back, I think, 20 or 30 years. And there is a huge drop-off in performance and in output from running backs going into their third year after two years with 320-plus touches. So I do think that there is... Cliff year alert. Oh, there's a cliff year alert for Derrick Henry. And if there's anyone who's going to buck that trend, it's him. I'll be the first one to say it. But you do have to give some pause when the, the guy went back like 30 years. It was ridiculous. And he's like, no one has, no running back has ever, has ever been able to kind of succumb, you know, or to uh, surpass the, uh, the, this threshold. And I just thought that was really interesting. So if that's not working for Tennessee, that's going to be a major issue. Cause that's, he, he's their heartbeat. He's, he's the, he's what makes the clock tick kind of. So I thought that was really yeah. interesting. Lee, what would you do if, uh, what would you do if 2G called you up and said, give me your two first for Henry? I wouldn't do it. Smart. I don't want to sound like a dick or whatever. I'm just super content with yeah. where I'm at right now. I don't really think I want to make any more trades. Because um, I just think I've got a nice balance of win now and future build. Um, I'm just so afraid because winning a championship just seems so hard. <laughs> 
That's the only thing. It just seems so hard. But then you see Dolan do it, and you're like, man. Shout out to Dolan, but it's like I did not expect him to, to go on that. Teams just, you know, injuries happen, guys get hot, and the league gets turned on its head. That's kind of what happens every year. So you kind of have to be ready for everything. Um, but, yeah, Henry's, like, older now, and he's just gotten so many touches the past couple of years. But, I mean, I would definitely give it some thought. I mean, having Chubb and Henry would be pretty dangerous. So yeah, He had 303 rushing attempts last year and 378 rushing attempts. Yeah, boy, that's 681 rushing attempts the past two years. I wonder who the second highest <coughs> running back is the past two, two years in rushing attempts. I'd be curious to see how many less. I bet. Have I bet. I would think it's Zeke. If I had to Zeke, guess, Zeke, yeah. Um, yeah, it probably would be. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Kamara. I feel like they spell him. No, because they use him so much as a receiver, Latavius. and then they use Latavius. Who else could it be? Yeah, damn, dude, Kamara had like. Half the rushing touches, but then he also had 100 targets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it would be Dalvin Cook, but it could be. Who, who else do they give the ball to? Nobody. Like no one. There, there's no one else there. To yeah, Kamara or Cook had 250 and 312. Look up Zeke, man. I feel like it has to be Zeke as number two. Because he's. Yeah, I think that's probably the best guess. Him or Dalvin. Like you said, Tommy. Him or Dalvin, I think. 301 and 244 for Zeke. So that's 545. But then Zeke had Zeke has had now three seasons with 300 yep. carries. Pollard, Pollard time. Also a lot more receptions than, than yep. Henry. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I'm really excited to dive into these division previews with the boys. I want to make an announcement. I will not be getting the Warren Sharp preview this year. Wow. wow. Why not? I will not be getting it. Um, you never responded to my messages on Twitter that I asked him very kindly about. I asked him very kindly to point me in the direction of the strength of schedule chart in his book, and he never did it. And uh, I just think he's kind of a sanctimonious asshole. So I'm not going to... <laughs> I'm not going to support him anymore. I think he's really good at what he does. And I think if you're interested in that, you know, in, in the he's, he's cutting-edge stats analytics guy, and that's great, but I'm just not going to support him. I think that I've done enough work in my life to figure out kind of my forage my own way, and uh, I'm going to be doing that this year. So, Are you going to buy, be buying a different preview or just? Perhaps. Perhaps. I'll be shopping a little bit, but I think that, I might just hit the old composition book and, and, and make my own little preview for the uh, for the pods, my own little division preview. So we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so I thought I'd let oh, you yeah. know that. Oh yeah. Also, um, <laughs> 2022 draft alert. Greg uh, Greg Dostal. What's his name, Lee? His last name tight end from UCLA. Gre- oh oh, what's his name? Yeah, I'm forgetting. Let me look. Uh. I can I can flip through the Phil Steele book to find Greg Dolish. That's his name. It just came. UCLA basketball player played hoops with him last week. Had a had a football, a player, football player. Played with some UCLA football players. They told me this is the best player on their team. He's gonna get drafted. He's got the look of a of a day three tight end. Oh, let me tell you, he's he. He had a monster USC. night against. Uh, yeah, I remember USC. that. 
And he look he just totally looks like a guy that would get drafted on day three and everyone would be super excited about, but then he just like doesn't really materialize in the NFL that much. Sounds like a good future guest. I'm, I'm gonna, I got I got the number yeah. of one of the DBs on there. Um, I don't think I mean I don't know if Greg really likes me because I locked him down in hoops, man. You should have seen me. It was it was one of my chief achievements in uh, in, athle- in athleticism. I told him I was, I was Isaiah Simmons. I told him I was a tight end neutralizer. And he, you know, he was he was playing bully ball with the group before me, and then I really just, I just got in a nice athletic low yep. position. I was running. You brought I was him right running back with down him. to earth. I was playing DB. They were trying to lob passes to him. I was breaking him up and everything. He just he didn't have an answer for me, and he can't shoot. Yep. He can't shoot. So if you want to come in and play bully ball with me, he can't shoot. Best be ready. Speaking of day three tight ends. And uh, this this podcast is going to go on for another hour, so get comfortable. <laughs> Speaking of day three tight ends and, and camp boners, Jacob Harris for the Rams apparently is just getting – they're just raving about this guy. Um, and I think he was a former basketball player perhaps at UCF or former – man, maybe he's just a former receiver. But uh, apparently the word out of camp is that he is he has been exceeding expectations and he may end up taking that – not starting job for the tight end of the Rams, but getting more opportunities in passing to sets than potentially taking that Gerald set. Everett. 2G, 2G has him in Dynasty League. Yeah. 2G picked him up. 2G, yep. see this, 2G keeps his ear to the ground, and he picked him up a couple weeks ago. And he knew, and, and, and 2G got in before the stock went up. 2G picked him up when he was like 30% owned, and now he's like Kind of like what I did with so. Gerald Everett back in January after Klepp dropped him. He was on the, the trade, trade block. block <laughs> he's so good, you don't want him. He's so he's I, just so good. I got that you in. Don't I got in on Gerald on Everett, and, and that's how Pete Carroll is predicting a big year for Gerald Everett over in Seattle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You got the article I sent that he said we expect big things out of Will Disley too. Yeah, but right? he's talking more in the run game as a run blocker because Disley's a physical guy, whereas Gerald Everett's a little bit more of an athlete in the passing game. And the other article where he said we're really excited to have Colby Parkinson back. Yeah. There was He's another excited. article where he was celebrating the fact that Parkinson, Colby Parkinson, <laughs> is finally healthy. So he likes the tight end room, I think. I think Pete likes the tight end room. But the only he used the words <laughs> breakout with one of those players, and that was Gerald Everett. Yeah. So um, real a real three-headed yeah, monster there in Seattle. Monsters, right? Oh God. Does that wrap it up? Jesus, all right. I think that does it. I gotta take a shower. We're just over an hour. Yeah. We did good work. All right, boys. Please stay safe.